we don't know where things come from. Things go travel so much until they reach us. They, they they go through so many different processes. Like I don't know if you grab your phone, do you know where the materials that are inside of your phone came from? On today's show, we talk to Vero Vergara, the founder of Enlightaid, and we find out how her company is making sure that the investments made by corporate businesses actually have the desired impact when it comes to sustainability projects that they're supposed to have. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, powered by the Harvey Nash Group, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you some technology news. Joining me today is Akish. How are you? Hello. Good morning. Um, yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm very good. Had a nice, had a nice weekend. It's Tuesday morning, so it might feel like a fading memory, but it's not that long ago. It's not, no. Um, yeah, weekend was good. Just. Um... Miss, missing the Premier League football, um, which obviously we're fans of. But yeah, we but did. got to see England knock 10 goals in last night. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't quite know how I feel about that. I mean, it was San Marino and the players... I'm sure I'm sure the players scoring would rather score in a Premier League game um, than maybe England. I'm, I may be wrong. I don't know. But, yeah. um, quick question. Yeah. Have you got your Christmas tree up yet? No. Have you, have you seen, though, there is increasingly a lot of people who've decided that because, because Christmas got cancelled last year yeah. and they fear that it might get cancelled again, they're, they're sodding it and putting up their trees anyway. I have seen a few people, yeah. I've actually walked past um, a couple of houses the other day um, and I saw Christmas trees, like, in the window. I was like, oh, God. Like, each to their own, though, right? I mean, if Christmas was to get cancelled again... Um, I'm sure by you putting your Christmas tree up, you're not going to be able to stop it, are you? So, like, yeah. For, it was for, a bit me, much for... for me, it's the second week of December job. Yeah. So. It was a bit much for me when I I was in town, I think on the 30th of mm. October. So mm. not even Halloween, like the day before Halloween. Mm-hmm. And one of the department stores on Oxford Street was playing Christmas music. And it's like, guys, it's October. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. If I was a retail employee, I would go absolutely mental. Like two months yeah. of Michael. I like Michael Bublé as much as the next person, yeah. but there is a limit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't listen to him that long, man. I can't. <laughs> he's he's all right. He, do you know what? He's he's good for like you know when you're in a restaurant, you're having like some lunch with some friends or dinner, and he's like in the back, and you can kind of hear him. Like it's fine for that. It's fine for the shops, like you know, when you go to the shops and you're at the checkout and you can hear him. But yeah, I can't hear. Yeah. I can't. I can't stand two months of that. That's, that's too much. But I suppose the, the question we should ask listeners, right, is is when is it the most? When is it earliest in terms of the acceptable date to start playing Christmas music at home? Now, now is early. Like. So this is too early. Yeah, too early. I think I think you should start playing at home when you are off for Christmas. So Oh wow, that's that's like the twenty something of No, December. no, no, no. Like yeah, yeah. So you get like a good five. Oh wait, no, hang on. Advent. I always think like the first of December. Once you're into Advent. Yeah. I mean I mean the thing is this year and last year is different, right? Because everyone's working from home in, in December. But I mean, like, if if you if it was a normal December and you were making the commute into the office, are you listening to Christmas songs in your AirPods or headphones in the morning? In December, I probably would be. Yeah. Would you? Would you? Oh yeah. Really? Yeah, I, I, once I'm into December, yes. I've always been. My wife calls me a Scrooge because in November I'm like, nah. Yeah. But once it's first of December, it's fair game. Really? Okay. Okay. All right. Fair enough. 
And you only right. get a little window to play him, so I'm always like, oh, yeah, go on then. Yeah, okay. All right, I got you, I got you. There Sorry. we go. Well, look, anyone else listening, let us know. That aside, um, I don't know how they uh, celebrate Christmas in Chile, but I imagine, well, actually, I have no idea about the climate in Chile in December. It's summer, isn't it? So they probably don't have snowmen and what. I, although that said, I have been to the Southern Hemisphere on holiday around that time of the year, and it's tropical and it's green and it's sunny, and they still have snowmen. So who knows? Who knows, yeah. Um, but we are talking to a guest uh, from Chile today, Vero, who is talking about impact investments in ESG. So we'll hand over the interview and we'll talk about it afterwards. Today, I'm chatting to Vero. Uh, Vero, you are the founder of Enlightaid. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. The slight good. kind of slowing down of my speech is trying to remember when we had you on the show. And I think it was originally two, two and a half years ago? I think so. About two years ago. It's going back. I know it was summer because it was like I was at the in in London at the time, and it was like that huge, massive heat wave, and it was definitely before Corona. So, it was definitely before Corona, and there is always one huge heat wave. It may only last three days, but but at least once in London, it will kind of go stupidly hot (laughs) for a very short period. Um, Anyway, look, let's let's reacquaint ourselves uh, within Light Aid. What do you do? So Enlighted is a platform that gives real-time transparency to the use of donations. And more recently, we're actually going to release an, a second product to monitor in real-time transactions on investments for impact projects. So ESG investments, which is pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. And that's that's a pivot that's been brought about by... So we had one of the um, four big auditing companies who um, actually they have an ESG investment vehicle and their clients, so people who put money for this investments, started asking them if they had any way of monitoring in real time the use of funds because... I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to say historically, but but not historically in like 100 years, you know, like in the recent time. Um, in the recent time, like there has been a lot of criticism towards in ESG assets because there is a lot. There, it's like a black box, you know. Nobody really knows what makes an investment an ESG investment, and there has been a lot of overpromise on the positive impacts that ES, an ESG investment yeah. is has. So um, the these clients of this big uh, auditing firm were asking if they could monitor their funds so their funds wouldn't end up doing greenwashing instead of actual positive impacts which is pretty exciting um and yeah and they did some research they found us they asked us if we could repurpose our technology that we created for donations but for investments to which we said yes so look just this might be a naive question but um I suppose the, the 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 concern with donations getting through to where they're supposed to go to, and you know, you know, it's an issue. And right in this country, we have BBC Children's in Need uh, as a, as a every kind of it's a, it's a biannual charity. It swaps over with Comic Relief, but on the adverts yesterday, every penny that you donate will go to children in need. They have to say that because people are concerned that it might not. Right, and I suppose there's that assumption that you might give money. And it might go overseas, but it might end up in the pockets of a corrupt government. So a- I don't know why that has to go overseas, actually, when you look how corrupt our own <laughs> government is. But I, I suppose there's always that that kind of slight concern. But why is it is it the same when it comes to corporations? Because surely corporations don't have 
random despot dictators standing in the way and making sure that money doesn't go to where it's supposed to go to? Well, I, there, there are two different topics, right? Like in terms of investment, like let, let's start with the donations first. Like donations effectively do not have to cross borders to end up in somebody else's pocket where they shouldn't have ended up. In 2012, the UN estimated that 30% of all donations globally end up in corruption. The truth is nobody really knows how much money is donated in every country because not, because not everybody discloses that information. So what we do know is that six countries donate about um, $650 billion. That means that with the third that gets lost, like in 2015, the UN estimated that the cost of feeding the hungry would be $116 billion to, to end world hunger. Um, and if we take that number, the $650 billion, that's, a, that's roughly almost $170 billion that gets lost. So it would mean that we have enough money to end world hunger and still have a few billion dollars to do something else. The problem with investment is not necessarily corruption, is that it may end up in a project that is actually not so green. So it could look green from the outside. It could have been said that it's green from, from like this, um, like authorizing entities that determine who, an, who is an ESG project and who isn't. Um, and the risk of that overpromise is actually quite high. Um, only a few months ago, the Deutsche Bank was sued because of overpromising the positive effects of their ESG investments. So this is this is a big risk, right? Like companies or or entities who want to invest large amounts of money in impact investments, they want to do it so they end up doing good, right? Not not mm -hmm. so they end up being just greenwashing, and that is the biggest concern in terms of investment, not necessarily corruption, but ensuring that the funds actually are doing some impact. There are. So I hosted a panel on Tuesday night. Now, I don't know when people are going to listen to this, but for, for context, Tuesday, the 9th of November. And on that, one of our panelists, CIO of Williams Racing, said that greenwashing wouldn't continue because people wouldn't allow it. And he thought greenwashing would come to an end. Um, I thought that was quite interesting. Are the mechanisms in place to allow that? I mean, how does technology help here? It depends on the, on the market, right? Like in this case, like what we do is we track funds. So um, if let's say we have a, a hypothetical project of um, photovoltaic electricity generation in Chile, uh, my home country. Um, and let's say the, the, that project is being financed by an organization in Norway. Uh, so the organization sends the money and then the people on the ground are supposed to be buying, buying photovoltaic panels, maybe the land, maybe uh, concrete to build the, the infrastructure where the panels are going to be, right? But if they start buying, let's say, I don't know, desalination plants, that would be weird. It doesn't really match the project, right? So in that sense, technology can help ensure the funds that are allocated to a certain project go to that certain project. In terms of ending greenwashing altogether, I think the problem is that we are expecting a very simple answer to a really complicated uh, problem, right? Because like as consumers, I'm pretty sure that we, that I, I have never spoken to anybody who tells me, yeah, I do want to have like slaves do my clothes. I do want to have slaves uh, harvesting my cocoa. I do want to have like really unsustainable paper. Nobody wants that. Nobody. 
even if you want the cheapest thing possible, you always are trying to do your best and not destroy your home, right? But the thing is, we don't know where things come from. Things go travel so much until they reach us. They, they, they go through so many different processes. Like, I don't know, if you grab your phone, do you know where the materials that are inside of your phone came from? So maybe actually the glass is kind of nice around your phone, but inside the plastic, the copper, the... The lithium battery. The lithium, you know, all of those things. Are those conflict-free? Are the, have, have those been affected mm. sustainably? And it's not that we don't want to buy better is that it would take no, nobody can understand how every single product that they consume every single piece of food every single piece of clothing that they wear actually come from a sustainable source so that's why i feel like even if we want to stop greenwashing as normal people we don't necessarily can because we, it's impossible that we know everything about everything and, and just to Come back to the to the heart of Enlightened. You are using blockchain. You are using centralized ledgers, effectively, or decentralized ledgers rather, to um, provide that transparency. So, actually, currently we're using a centralized ledger um, because of two things. So, one thing uh, with a decentralized ledger, of course, is cost. The yep. second one is energy usage. So, in in the application for donations, we've had microtransactions, like a, a big volume of microtransactions, right? And since we're not using a cryptocurrency, we're using normal money, right? Fiat currencies. Mm -hmm. uh, then what we would store in a, in a decentralized ledger is the registry that those transactions happened. Since it's microtransactions and it's not based on the size, but like it's an amount of microtransactions, then um, each one of those would be a, a record on a decentralized ledger. Each one of those records consumes an enormous amount of energy. So we would be trying to solve a social and environmental project by creating another one. Yeah. Whilst we're talking about the environment, this is being recorded on the penultimate day of COP26. It will go out. Uh, I, I think this podcast is going to be going out next week. So 14th or 15th or something. I, I can't count days from where we are right now, but it's roughly around that. Um, so COP's just finished. That was a conference that you wanted to go to. Um, but you were locked out. And there seems to be this theme that a lot of people feel that it's basically just another big business conference. Why, why do you think... How do you think we can we can actually make sure that business listens to organizations that can make an impact and give them the oxygen or the platform that they need to actually have impact? You know, I was really thinking about this yesterday because like I was walking, you know, my dogs and I was thinking, well, how do we solve this problem? Um, if we say, okay, no more business should buy into the cob, then the COP probably wouldn't happen because I'm pretty mm. sure that those businesses are sponsoring for um, the like for all of the events happen, right? As, as, aside with with the go from the governments that are supporting it, but I'm pretty sure there's a lot of um, what makes it happen is the fact that there's a lot of companies paying for it to happen. So maybe what what should be done is to kind of like. Um, the, to, to limit the amount of time that companies and the amount of space that companies can buy. Because sometimes you have like a huge pavilion um, that has been sponsored by this company or that other company. Uh, and 
that gives them the visibility. And since they are a cop, then it feels like they're green, right? Which, which again, it kind of ties back to what we were just talking about, the greenwashing. If we see these companies here, we're like, oh, wow, they're green. It's, but it's not like they're actually green. Is that they're buying their right to appear green, right? And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and I think like easing out the terms of the the terms of visas and also in this particular COP, one of the biggest challenges was access to vaccination. Like I'm lucky enough to live in Europe, but I was vaccine. I had the vaccination, right? I could go in that sense, um, but most activists coming from the global south do not have that opportunity hmm. let's pick up on that as a, as a last thing because i think this is quite interesting most of the founders that i speak to are british american european uh, and you point out there that you come from the economic south and i am wholly ignorant as well you know <laughs> <laughs> about actually what life is like in some of these countries and coming to them as a, as a founder. Do you feel, do you find that that's another hurdle? You know, you, you, you're a female founder. I, we, I know from kind of having had personal conversations with you that people that work for you are assumed to be your boss or you're assumed to be um, the secretary because you know, you're, you're, you're the female in the room. So you have that set of hurdles which, which is a bigger set of hurdles. I assume gender. I might be wrong. I'm just curious what your experience has been like as someone who comes from Latin America and is, is plying a trade and trying to build a business in Europe. I think so far gender has been more of a limit than my than where I come from. But I think is because my, my English is reasonably well, good, right? Today I am having like a, a language card. No, it's not reasonably good. It's very good. <laughs> <laughs> but it is quite good usually right um and that helps a lot because people immediately like if i'm pitching or something like that people assume that i'm from the u.s and that helps obviously when we go into the nitty-gritty then like we have been in cases where i have been told to my face that they would fund my my business they would fund our company if i was european or from the u.s so like it 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 helps the fact that I speak well English, it helps to break the first barrier. So in that sense, I'm super privileged. But I will still have that that other barrier because I am Latina, I look Latina. Uh, and when when they do the diligence on us, they realize where I come from. Yeah, but your business is, is your business not registered in Germany or or, Dem or, or my business is registered in Norway. So. In Norway, yes. yeah. Sorry, our, our I, I stopped myself because I was like, "Hang on a minute." I, I think it's Norway. But <laughs> I, let's just wait for confirmation. Um, yeah. So, so surely if it's registered in Norway, but it's why run, should it matter? Because it's run by me and not in Norwegian. So bizarre. Yeah. What What would your advice be to other people who might listen, who come from let's Let's broaden it out from Latin America to say. Africa or, you know, because there, there's a huge amount of innovation, tech innovation that goes on. I, I, think, I, think, I think maybe Southeast Asia is slightly different because they've got such big tech markets closer to home. But if you're from Latin America, you're from Africa, um, what would your advice be? Do it anyways. Like, you can never, like, nobody's ever going to like you for, like, you, you can't please 
everybody, right? Even if you are white, even if you're in the perfect age bracket, even if you're beautiful, a man, you know, like even if you're perfect, there's somebody maybe who's gonna not like you because you're perfect, you know? So like, I feel like for me, yeah, sure. Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes I'm I work next to a box of tissues because th life gets can get very frustrating. But I think my advice would be just do it. Just dream big because nobody's going to dream for you. And yeah, just try. Try as hard as you can. Look, Vero, I appreciate you spending some time uh, talking us through what you've been up to. Good luck with the investment slant pivot behind in light age. I'm sure it will go well. And uh, I'm sure we'll catch up with you again soon. Yes, thank you for the invite. It's always a pleasure. Right, okay, so... I think the most important thing about this for me is it's about transparency, right? Mm. It's about organizations and individuals donating or gifting money and actually having confidence that it's going towards the stuff that you, you say it's going towards. Yeah, which, is, which has always been the age-old uh, concern or question, I guess, in terms of like, yeah, I'm happy to give to charity, but is it going to the cause that I want it to go to and not, as they said in the interview, you know, not someone else's pocket or some sort of corporate, you know, kind of thief, um, if you can call him that. So, yeah, the fact that this allows you to, to kind of have a bit more access, I think it's, it's, it's good, like definitely needed. Yeah. yeah, and I think on the on the one hand, whereas on an individual basis, we probably do have through like just giving and whatever else, more of a confidence that those kind of, I think we're very happy and very comfortable giving money to individuals or teams doing something. Mm. But the idea that, you know, is an organization really, really using the money that it says it's using for ESG? Um, and how do we actually monitor and track where it, where it goes mm. is, is a, is a really, is a really difficult one. And I do often worry that, there might be an element of uh, greenwashing with some of these, you know, it's, oh yes, we do X, Y, and Z. And it's all shining up front in terms of like, if we scale it back a few years, people kind of going, yeah, we've got beekeepers and we keep bees on the roofs of our building. And it's mm. like, that looks great on a website. Yeah. Can I actually see the bees? And mm. how many beekeepers do you employ? I don't know. There's, there's, there's a cynicism there that unfortunately exists that you have to break through. And I think in light aid might be that thing that helps you break through that cynicism. Yeah, hundred percent. But also, I think, I think when it gets to that, like you know, I, I think a lot of organisations, as bad as it sounds, I think a lot of organisations are so desperate to kind of be seen as as environmentally friendly or green, you know, kind of champions and stuff like that that they they would they would think that they're investing into these charities or into these you know kind of organizations but they're probably paying you know a hell of a lot of money for you know for things like as an example i'm not going to mention it i went and got some new um some new tires and um you know kind of um it was like a, a car like car workshop place that i go to and they had this massive like certificate up saying that they were you know carbon free and 
you know, they signed up to this like carbon charter and all these. And, and I was just like talking to one of the guys. I said, how, how did you do that? He's like, don't really know. Just, you know, it's a few charities that we work with gave some money and they sent assists. And it was like, you know, they're probably using that, but are they actually helping the environment and stuff? I'm not sure, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'll be keen to hear from you, actually. As someone that does a lot of stuff for charity, how does that make you feel? Like, seeing as you do a lot of your runs and stuff and, and you've helped at charities, but would you feel a bit more kind of safe or secure? I don't know if, if that's the right word. If you had a bit more transparency, how would you? Well, you you obviously hope that the money that you're raising is going to a good cause. Of course, you do. I mean, yeah. if you go on the Enlightened website, yeah. um, one of the one of the first things that it kind of comes to, uh, one of the first things that it mentions rather is thirty percent of all donations are lost to corruption. Mm. Um, and that is that is the kind of stat that makes you go right. Okay, well, we do need transparency. Mm. Um, and and it's the corporate, but it is the corporate piece that you are more concerned about. I mean, COP, you know, we talk about it in the. I don't know whether we talk about it in the interview, but they 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 recently, you know, had had a huge kind of level of investment in in reforestation, mm. um, and announced a, a multi billion dollar package and mm. money going to um, countries in in the economic south, the developing world, and you yeah. kind of go is that money actually going to go towards reforestation, mm. you know? I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. And if it was if it was there, I mean, if it is, I don't know if it should be, you know, kind of being advertised or being gloated about at COP, which I think you kind of alluded into the interview. It was just like a big business convention right it had like all this yeah stuff. which is the, the the economics of, of events you kind mm. of get that but at the same time i don't think there's any kind of any kind of ground given to actually go all right well there's a whole load of people sponsoring fine they're going to get their their slots mm. but also why didn't they give greta thunberg i mean maybe they maybe they offered her an opportunity to speak and she decided to protest outside instead but they they should give platforms to people who can't afford to pay the big fees to mm. actually give them impact and give them voice mm. But then, but then, you know, their voice might not be what the big boys want to hear. So but it's what they need to hear, and it's yeah. what the world's media need to hear. Yeah. I mean, I, look, say say what you will about Channel Four and the BBC and everything else, but Channel Four, I loved the fact that they had like um, they had uh, Aboriginal tribes who travelled to COP but weren't allowed in, and they put them on the news. Uh, like as the leading headline on mm. Channel Four News on one of the days during COP to be like, let's talk about your issues and why you're here. Mm. They weren't interviewing the chairman of a big oil company. Tesla. They were interviewing yeah. or, or, or Elon Musk. Yeah. yeah. Um they they were interviewing they were interviewing um a, a tribe who'd who who had a real kind of you know, if we're talking about the canaries in the mine, it, it's the islands, you know, mm. the, the people who tend to lose the most from what's going on. Yeah. And yeah. there's just not enough of that. Mm. And the fact that there's an organization in a light age who, okay, it's a slightly different tact here we're kind of going off on a tangent when, when we're talking about giving people a platform but um you know real time shows you in real time where your donations are spent mm. means that there's less of that kind of cynicism mm. around oh people are just paying to be on stage people are just putting up on their website that they've got an esg project people are just you know 
Um, everyone probably is aware of the Joe Lycett versus the big oil company documentary that was on Channel 4 a few weeks ago, where it was like, here's the 20% of the green forestry, Brit. Please don't look at the 80% where we're digging up fossil fuels. Yeah. And it, it's that, like if we've got real-time transparency, it, it chips away at that, at that cloak of... Ooh, look at all the good stuff. Hundred mm, percent, and and I think, I think if that's what's happening, and if we can get that insight and that, again, saying the word transparency, but if we can get that kind of, um, you know, eyes on things, then I think we are able to very much kind of understand. Um, I guess yeah, just just kind of understand where our money's going to, and yeah. and and it will also, it, I think it will help to raise more funds, and people will be more inclined to giving when they can see actually yeah this is going towards you know what i want it to go to rather than you know i don't know um flight tickets for the ceo to uh you know go around somewhere or whatever um yeah and i think the corruption piece as well i think that will especially enhance when we look at the the kind of economic south or look at other countries where there are higher levels of corruption mm-hmm. um that go undetected. Um, I think you'll help that as well. Well, look, uh, Vero, thanks for being our guest on today's show. Uh, good luck with Enlite's continued pivot. I uh, hope it attracts much investment. Go check them out on all of your social feeds, Enlite. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about banning ads for cryptocurrencies. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. Right, if you've got the tube in recent weeks, um, and I appreciate that many of you are not London-based, but if you had been in London, you might have seen some adverts for a token called uh, Flocky or Floki. Um, and it's a, basically a, a, a meme coin um that ran a advertising campaign across tfl um and sean berry the green party leader of uh the london assembly has has tabled questions to sadiq khan who is the london mayor saying that it should have been red flagged and that whilst we have um, guidelines around junk food and advertising that where we've got cryptocurrencies and unregulated the adverts should be banned hot take akish um yeah, I agree. They they shouldn't be allowed to be honest, um, because not not only the fact that they're unregulated, the fact that they you know you have to look at the people that are traveling from all walks of life. Um, cryptocurrency, I get it. It could be the future. It could be things, and we've yeah we could have this discussion all day if we wanted to. But I also think that you know many people's like livelihoods and stuff have been lost because it's so volatile, because the market is ever changing. And the last thing you want is, I don't know, students, you have people, you know, on benefits, you have all kinds of, you know, kind of um, uh, individuals and, and you want them to to make the best decision for themselves yeah. and not kind of. 
People are getting suckered in by the idea that they can make a lot of money quickly. Uh, Let's get some flesh on this. At the end of October, a token based on the Netflix show Squid Game gained worldwide publicity, uh, promoting or prompting rather a 300, over 300,000% rise in the value of it to uh, $2,856 in a single day. But the value then collapsed within hours because the anonymous developers behind the Squid token disappeared apparently with a profit of at least $2 million. Uh, that's taken from The Guardian, just for um, wow. a bit of transparency on our source. That's that's shocking. And it's been fueled by um, by influencers advertising these tokens. Uh, they're getting paid to go, hey, yeah, look at this great token, um, by anonymous sources for this unregulated thing that people can lose a shitload of money on. Yeah, I mean, I mean also, the thing is, I'm, I'm very sorry to say, right, it's all kinds of weird stuff that, that happens when you get these influences involved. Like, do you, do you remember about a year ago, there was a company called Lannister? Do you remember that? They were like these... Oh, they uh, had these, sounds very Game of Thrones. Well, they, they had these like polymorphic blueing credit cards and, you know, it was all about kind of breaking financial services. And they had footballers and celebrities. They all had this like massive online launch. Well, I'm talking like the big names of the world, like the they've been in Paul Pogba's and Lionel Messi's and all these sorts of people. But then what happened was they were not regulated by the FCA and suddenly there was all these things around their CEO and, and things like that. And, and it just kind of crumbled within days, right? Whereas the same thing, I think what these guys have done, they've kind of cashed in. They pay these influencers. These influencers don't really care about what product they're, you know, kind of putting out. I know some, but they should. But they they should. should. They should. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I know. I know some may do. So it's probably harsh. If they're if they're just if they're just pumping out an ad because they get told to, then they should they should lose their followers and lose their yeah yeah exactly exactly. And then and then the problem is that there's sixteen, seventeen, eighteen year old you know boys and girls, even twenty and thirty year olds you know that might not know much and go actually you know I've got some savings and I'm going for a shit point in my life. I really want to turn my kind of future around. So I'm going to plod a load into this. And and then what yeah. happens? You know, it goes up one day, it goes up two days, it goes up three days. And then suddenly on the fourth day, it all comes crashing back down. And that, let's say, 2,000 pounds that you put in is now worth 200. Yeah. yeah. It's it's not right, man. And, and, and you know, people's... And then we talk about the, the, the future repercussions, mental health, you know, people's yeah. kind of livelihoods and health. And yeah, and that's why I don't do crypto. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. In short, Sean Barry, we agree. It shouldn't be allowed on the tube until it's regulated. And whilst yeah. it's unregulated, um, it, people shouldn't be preyed upon by anonymous developers of these coins. Correct. And if you're an influencer and you're advertising these things, do a bit of fucking research. Correct. And don't just put up your Sybase or Firebase wallet as a story and show people how many millions I've, I've seen influencers do that and it's like what are you doing like that is do you know what i mean no one's putting up their credit card balance are they um no so yeah Mine, my, mine's always maxed out anyway so it's something to show off <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah thank so, you for joining us on today's show then uh we'll we'll wrap it up there with our with our eloquent um yeah i don't know what and uh, we'll be back on friday <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>